On today's episode of Black Ick Weed Podcast, we sit down with the founder of Say Yoga Wisdom, Stephanie Stapler, to discuss her origins in the world of yoga, what it means to make yoga your lifestyle, and how yoga actually means for us to unite. Interesting enough, we also released this episode on the first day of Kwanzaa, uh, which means Umoja which actually means for our culture to unite. We actually started Black Equity Podcast three years ago on today. So this is a three-year anniversary special centered around unity and finding that yoga actually tells us that we should unite. And now more than ever, as a community, as a culture, and as a people. If we do not unite now, we may never do it. I'm DJ Moultrie of Black Equity Podcast, and welcome to the Black Equity Experience. All right, we're back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. Really excited about this conversation. I want I want to get into this topic uh, with someone that I've actually learned a lot from in this particular area. I never practiced yoga before. I'm not sure if I'm using the right words. I'm sure our guest today will let me know if I'm using the right words or not. I never practiced yoga before, but once I actually started going through uh, the actual exercises, it actually became life changing. I started noticing things about myself that I didn't even know were there. And I really wanted to have this conversation to learn about what what is the the true definition of wealth when it comes to yoga? And what does it mean to have uh, a lifestyle around you? Uh, So joining me on today's episode, Stephanie, welcome to Black Equity Podcast. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you for the welcome. No, definitely. So for those who don't know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. So my name is Stephanie. Um, The name of my brand is called Say Yoga Wisdom, is how I pronounce it. Say, S-A is an acronym on my name, which is Stephanie Ann Yoga. And then wisdom, because I like to infuse yoga with, well, not even just specific to yoga, just wisdom into what I do, what I offer. So that is not just a workout or just moving. It's actually something you're gaining on a spiritual, intellectual, on various different levels. So that is the gist of what I do. I um, am a certified yoga teacher, instructor. Um. So yeah, that is a, a very short synopsis of what I do. I appreciate um, and that. I teach various different types of yoga. So there are different forms of yoga. I teach okay. very diff- different forms of the practice. Well, I look, they all I, look have I look forward to learning about those different aspects. I want to get into the origin story, though. I'm really big on origin. How did it all start, right? So... When was the first time that you were consciously aware that you were um, 
actually doing yoga or partaking in the yoga experience? Okay, so I'm going to give you a little background. Okay. In 2014, I lost my father. He was my person, right? I was pretty young at the time, not even 30 yet. Um, I want to say mid-20s. I don't remember my exact age. Um, And that's that goes to show like how spaced out I was around this. So I was really, really struggling, having a hard time, like moving through that grief, um, that whole process. And I still work in corporate America and I actually work for a healthcare organization. And one of my coworkers at the time was like, Stephanie, you should really try yoga. I think it would really benefit you. At the time, I know nothing about yoga. Like, nothing at all I'm just thinking like that's just stretching what's that gonna do you know like that ain't gonna do nothing (laughs) and she just like she kept saying every day I would walk into the office she's like did you try it yet I told her you know she had a gym membership and the gym I was a member of at the time offered yoga as part of the membership and she's like you should really go like your gym already offers it just just go take a class So, like, after maybe, like, three weeks of her, like, telling me every day as I walk in, I'm like, okay, forget it. I'll go to Target, buy a little cheap yoga mat, and I literally, like, I'm not kidding. I went to Target and looked for the cheapest mat I could find. Because I'm like, I don't want to invest in this stretching thing. So, I bought the cheapest mat, and I signed up for a class at the gym, and I attended it that class this was the first time I realized I did yoga that class was literally everything and when I say everything like I wanted to cry I wanted to scream I wanted to roll up into a ball and take a nap I like everything like I sweat so much so just a little background because I had no base for what yoga was at the time. I I literally thought it was just stretching. So I went in with the intention of, I'm not even going to sweat, you know? I'm not even going to, you know? So I get in there and I'm just like, oh my God. So I ended up signing up for a hot power vinyasa. Okay. Anyone who has ever taken a hot power vinyasa number one your mat your yoga mat matters don't get the cheapest mat when I tell you my mat was slipping and sliding all over the floor of that room as I was dripping sweat and then I didn't even you know especially in the westernized world you know we had these cute little yoga outfits like the you know sports bra and the leggings Mm -hmm. I didn't even wear that I literally wore something similar to like a t-shirt I have on right now and some regular you know lounge pants right so nothing Mm -hmm. like yoga-esque I was like dripping and drenching and it was like and at the end by the end of the class I was just like that was amazing I don't know what happened there but I have to come back and I felt leaving that class I felt better than I had felt and like three to four months like that Mm. was the best I had ever felt and I don't 
it was it was crazy it was almost like I had a light bulb moment or aha moment but spiritually not even I nothing to put into words it was just like out of body type of experience for me so that is when I first knew I did yoga it was really my first class and I instantly got hooked like I left that class was like okay now I got to try all the yoga classes here Mm. So I ended up, you know, over the next few weeks, I ended up literally trying every single different type of yoga that they had to offer at their gym. So that is when I first, that was my intro to yoga. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to touch on something you said. I know you said it was something you couldn't necessarily put into words. Uh, But I'm going to try to see if I can get a little bit of words out of you. Um, When you were sweating and just leaving it all there what do you think on a spiritual level what do you think on a spiritual level happened so looking back now knowing what I know now is I was releasing energy that was stored up in my body so I went in there thinking oh I'm just going to stretch I didn't think about the spiritual aspect of what happens when you stretch, right? So you're actually moving energy. You're actually those dormant parts of you. You know how like when you're sad or you're in a bad mood, you literally feel heavy. Yeah. I didn't realize that stretching and moving moves the heavy, you know, like, so Knowing what I know now, I know what happened was I had so much stored grief and hurt and confusion that were stored in certain parts of my body, my hips, my shoulders, my back, my legs, all over. So as I'm moving through the poses, mind you, this is my first yoga class ever. So she's calling out postures by the names and I'm literally looking around the room because I have no clue you say warrior one I have no reference I don't know anything about a warrior one right so it was like the ego had to move out of the way there was no ego no showing off there was no putting on a facade or trying to pretend like I'm good like no I'm really not good I don't know what's going on I have to look around so what was happening was I was releasing I was releasing physically mentally Spiritually, I was releasing, and that's what happened. Um, so that's the gist of at least knowing what I know now. Okay. Now, I know, I, well, I don't know. Are you a scientist of any sort? No. Just to make sure. Okay. <laughs> so you may, you may not know this answer, but, and I, by the way, I love the ego had to move out of the way. I love that. We, we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. But what is the scientific reasoning of why we sweat so much during yoga? Like, from the outside looking in, right? I would think, well, they're not doing that much. I mean, they're just standing in one spot or kneeling in one spot and maybe moving a little bit here and there. But I I hear the word release, ego getting out of the way. Where, where, and you may not have any, but where is all this sweat coming from? So scientifically, I can't give you the scientific answer, but energetically, energetically speaking, right? 
yoga is really moving with the breath, right? Inhale, you're typically lifting up, reaching, extending, expanding. Exhale, you're usually like hinging, twisting, folding. So if you just think about your breath, right? If you just like even sitting in your chair right now, if you just start to intentionally like inhale and exhale very quickly, very quickly, very quickly, you're going to build up an internal heat, an internal body. And yoga is called tapas. I didn't know this then, but you're going to build up the heat. Just simply, you're going to get hot. You're going to get hot. So it's not necessarily like, where is it coming from? It was there all along. You know, our bodies are made up with what? 80% water or something like that. So the water is already there. It's just tapping into and building up that heat to release the toxins that need to go or release the stuff, the mental chatter. And then the other part of it was, you know, some of the postures is, is balancing. Like, just think about when you're nervous, we tend to sweat. Like it's, it's our body's natural reaction. So when you're trying to like stand on one foot, it may sound simple to say stand on one foot, but to stand on one foot and hold it and breathe, inhale and exhale and inhale and exhale when they tell you to, now you've built up a certain heat. So that's what I know about that part of it. So it's it's already there. It's just, it's about releasing it and letting it continue its cycle. Because the thing about energy is energy is supposed to keep moving. Energy is not meant to be stagnant. It's supposed to be flowing, right? So you want us to complete its cycle. So as you're doing that, the breath and the movement, you're allowing it to complete a cycle through and out of the body. So that's a little short synopsis. Of- you know, when I, when I was in uh, one of your sessions one time, you said something to me that has stayed with me ever since. Oh, God. You said... <laughs> You said, uh, and I'm not sure if you say this on every session, you said something along the lines of, are there any problem areas um, that we need to focus on? Something along those lines. And at the time, I didn't, I don't, I mean, right? I don't know if I have problem areas. And maybe I do know, but I just don't know that I know kind of a thing, right? And ever since I started after that session, I can now notice like problem areas, like just throughout the day. I'm like, oh, I got to work on that, right? Like I got to do something with this, or something's not right here, or I can feel, um, I can feel that one side is more more in tune than the other side. There's certain things about my body I can notice that. When you were going through these different types, of course, I I still want to talk about these different types uh, of yoga. Uh, How long did it take for you to start knowing thyself? So honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. After the very first class, I, the very next day, I was literally sore all over. Like I went to work and I was like, I told my coworker, my everything hurts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did the yoga you told me to do, and now my everything hurts, right? right. Which is a, a, a testimony to what I was going through at the time. Literally, I was storing up things all over my body because I did not know how to release it. I had never experienced that type of experience before. I just never experienced it. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, I lost track. What was the question? <laughs> 
basically uh, how, uh, how long until you knew because uh, one of the first steps of wealth is knowing thyself and so i'm wondering how long before you started knowing your body and knowing what you needed to to work on well here's the thing i'm still learning my body right it's it's less about like knowing as a matter of fact and more about awareness right what are you aware of because I do, I, I taught a class yesterday and I, and I asked us to start. Is there anything in particular that you guys want to work on today? And typically I get the same answer, whatever you want to do, because people are not aware. Um, and so yoga teaches you, it is literally, it is literally the harmony between the mind, the body and the spirit, right? So our mm-hmm. bodies are constantly sending us signals, but we are so desensitized to those signals. We're not harmonized with those three things anymore. So yoga literally teaches you to notice where and what the body is telling you. And there are some scientific aspects to it. There are certain reasons why we cue poses a certain way. So there is science behind it as well. But just from an energetics uh, standpoint, um, you it, it I guess for me I, I I learned right away pretty quickly you know where and what after like the first week of consisting consistently taking various different yoga classes at that gym I was able to identify like where my body began to speak to me at the time it was my lower back and my hips right mm-hmm. but so, but just know that it's it's more about awareness because just because you you know what it is then and like it could be something completely different the next the next week or the next day, and then some people it takes them a while to to get that awareness. That I mean, it just depends on where they are in their journey. Some people have you know they can take yoga for I don't know months and still not be aware. Because the other piece of that is, you know, our bodies have memory receptors, getting kind of scientific. Our bodies have memory receptors, right? So if you take a, a yoga class, same instructor, um, cue the same way, sequence is pretty much their style. Um, your body has developed memory receptors, right? So now when you go to the class, like you already know what you're going to do. You know how they're going to call the pose. You know what you're going to do. This is one of the reasons why I love, love, love to take various different teachers and switch it up because one teacher may cue it one way and then I go to another class, the teacher cues it another way. And I'm like, hmm, this, this feels different today. Why does this feel good today? And it didn't feel good yesterday, you know? And it's not to say that one is right or wrong. It's just that awareness, sparking that awareness. So that that's, that's more so the, the, the focus or the goal, I guess. It's more sure. so awareness rather than, I don't know, fixing or. You, um, you mentioned earlier that after your first session, you wanted to start learning all the different types of yoga. So on that journey, what did you find? And how did that propel you to say, well, I'm going to get certified in this area? I find that I began to gravitate towards uh, a certain type over another. So at the time, again, I was going through grief. I had just lost my father. 
never experienced a grief so close to home before. And because I had been storing up all of that energy, like my whole body was like tight. Well, it felt tight. Although other people looked at me and said, you're extremely flexible. I still felt tight. So I ended up gravitating towards um, more faster pace. So the hot power vinyasas and Ashtanga. Um, those were my two. Actually, when I first started, I hated yin yoga and restorative. I didn't want to go there. I don't, you wouldn't like, I might go to one of those types of classes, maybe once a quarter, <laughs> but like, I, I didn't like it. I didn't want it. I, I tried it. I didn't want Hatha. I didn't want, I, I needed a more vigorous to get out of I say this again, to get out of the ego. Those, like, there are literally some some postures that I cannot do and think about the stuff. Like, I literally have to move the ego out of the way to get into certain postures. And that's what I needed at the time. So those were the classes that I gravitated towards. Hot, hot power vinyasas or just vinyasas in general. Which, by the way, vinyasa is constant movement movement so it's not you know really settling and holding it's it's more faster paced it's it's more of a rhythm and then ashtanga that is a set sequence no matter where you go across the globe it is the exact same which taught me i needed to develop a routine a consistency right so people always talk about motivation well you're not no one is ever always motivated that's not how we're designed So what do you do when you're not motivated? Well, you rely on your routine, consistency, right? So what I I think that's why I ended up gravitating towards Ashtanga, which is the same. I knew what to expect every single time I went into the class. If the teacher some kind of way had a bad day or something and forgot a pose, I knew that pose and I would instantly go into it regardless. It, It got to a point where it really didn't even matter. I didn't even need a teacher to to teach me. Like I know. I know that, that, you know, that sequence like the back of my hand. And so that, that's what it taught me. I needed to develop discipline in, in my uh, just day-to-day life, you know, because that's, that's what I ended up gravitating towards. So that is, that's really what inspired me to go through yoga teacher training the first time. I've been through it more than once, but that's what ignited the first time when I was like consistently going, like literally I would do yoga. Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sundays were my off day. Every single day out the week, I was doing some form of yoga. Um, so, tell me about the transition from, and I know in life you're always a student, so I don't mean it in a, in a way where you're no longer a student, but from going from from maybe being in the class to being in front of the class, how does how has that transition been for you on your journey? It's funny that you call it a transition because it really was a uh, like a, a more. So like, if I were to go back to that first class I attended, when I say I was completely oblivious, like I didn't even know like what was the front of the room versus the back of the room. I literally just got a spot, right? And tried to blend in and do whatever. But what was happening is as I was becoming more and more consistent, and um, practicing yoga more frequently, 
Um, what I find, found was teachers would ask me if I could demo a certain pose. Because oftentimes when you're instructing and you're cueing and you're focusing on alignment, it, it really, it can become cumbersome for you to stand up there, instruct and demo simultaneously, especially some postures. And let's be honest, it, some postures, we as instructors, we just can't do. And if I see you can do it, then I'm going to cue you in and ask you. So when you say transition, like it was very gradual. Like I started off not even knowing what was the front of the room to recognizing, okay, what was the front of the room to being asked, hey, I'm going to do this peak pose today. Would you mind putting your mat up here so that when I break it down, can I use you as a demo? So it was almost like a universe or spirit or whatever you want to call it was guiding me, like pushing me to transition, pushing me to that. So for me, it became very seamless because after a while, you know, after being asked to demo or could you stand over here or could I use you to show this? Students started assuming that I was an instructor and I wasn't. And I'm just, or, you know, students after class would ask, well, how did you do that when, when she said that? How did you get into it? And then it was like, well, I can tell you what I did, but now I really want to know, like, what is the alignment way to get into it? Or what scientifically or what anatomically did I do? Because I can tell you that I put my arm here and did that. But like, I can't tell you that I engaged the shoulder internally rotated. You know, I can't, I couldn't do that. I could just be like, well, I just did this. <laughs> and they're like, well, you make it look so easy. And so that kind of like, I was kind of guided to the transition. It wasn't really necessarily like, I didn't go into yoga with the intent of, I want to become a yoga instructor. I never really had that aha moment of, I think I want to be an instructor. It was kind of like, I was being pushed into that role to the point where it's like, well, no, I really do need to learn this because if people are going to keep asking me I don't want to just say anything. Like I, I like wisdom. It's part of my, my handle. Right. I, I like to learn. So it, it was like, you can't not like, it, it wasn't even about being the instructor at that point. It was about the knowledge then. So, yeah. You know, as you're talking and please correct me if I'm wrong, please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if enough people who consider themselves Black, African descent, are really into the yoga space like that. If if I am right in that assumption, why do you think that is? And if I'm wrong about that, why do you think there is a, a, a misconception that Black people don't practice yoga? So I actually do think a lot of Black people practice yoga. However, due to the society we live in, Let's be honest, there's racism in, in yoga studios. Mm. Marketing, what do you see? If you type in yoga handle on IG or TikTok, what do you see predominantly under that handle? It's not that we aren't practicing. It's just that the way our society markets things, we are not at the forefront. They're going to pick the slender white woman who has a certain physique, looks a certain way, 
And let's even take it a step further. She's going to be doing very um, inaccessible postures to the vast majority. And, and yoga is funny because, so I really, really got attached to Ashtanga, which Ashtanga, women didn't practice. That was for young teenage boys to teach them discipline. If you type in Ashtanga handle right now, I guarantee you the top people, the, the top people at the uh, highlight of that are not going to be men. That, that is what Ashtanga was for. Young boys. You're going to see women. So it's, I, I don't know that we aren't practicing. And then also there are different types of yoga, like comedic yoga, right? Um, it's really, really hard to find a studio, which is African, you know, Kemet, which is the original name for Egypt or, you know, Africa, you know, before it got colonized or whatever. But hieroglyphic, hieroglyphics, if you think about the hieroglyphics, you know, in, in the pyramids, tombstones, they are doing yoga. That is African descent. Yoga actually d- descends from Africa, even though we, we pull its base from, from India because, you know, they were able to write it down and translate it in a way that our African descendants did not do. Um, and I'm not going to say they did not do, but we don't, you know, a lot of the hieroglyphics, we can make assumptions, but we really don't know the true, the true meaning, you know? So I do think we, we actually do practice yoga, but I think the reason why it's not seen as a, as, as a majority type of thing is because we, we live in a society where we are muted in, in such a way. In that aspect, like, you know, we, we don't get praise and I don't even really like to use the word praise. It's not a good word, but we don't get the same level of attention for doing things as other cultures do when we do them, unless mm. another culture can benefit from it. So I, I do think we do practice yoga, but uh, honestly, a lot of the yoga studios are, they're racist. I, I've been in spaces where I've like, okay, so, you know, I make jewelry on my website and do other things as well. I wear jewelry. I, I'm not wearing any today, but I typically, you know, I will wear rings, bracelets. I'm not big on earrings, but necklaces. I'm not taking it off. I will even wear my glasses in a yoga practice. I've been to studios where they're like, well, you might want to take that off. I said, mm-hmm. oh, okay, you know, and I just go in, but there, and simultaneously, there's, there's someone else who doesn't look like me walking in at the same time wearing, you know, her stuff. And you didn't say anything about her main wanting to take it off. Mm. So it's, there are certain like subliminal things that, that are just done and said in the community to where, a lot of people will will not go to studios. So I mean, I still teach at a, at a yoga studio, and I get predominantly uh, white students in that studio. Um, and I, I think a big part of it is people they they want to be included. You know, they want to be 
treated a certain way and they haven't been. So, yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, I also want to talk about uh, the wisdom side of things, the jury, and actually talk about things. Just touched on something. So, how do your sound is going a little bit out. All right, say that again. You want to touch on the wisdom side of things. That's what I heard. So, uh, how does someone pick uh, the right yoga teacher, the right studio? What are some red flags, green flags to pay attention to when it comes to that? I mean, I think ultimately people are going to navigate where they are drawn to be, you know? So I, I won't even say red flag, green flag, blue flag, yellow flag. You're going to naturally gravitate to where you need to be at that time. And it may be that you need to be here for this amount of time and you need to be there for this amount of time. Um, I do like to try to encourage people to, I mean, obviously you want to have I like a, a good yoga mentor as far as like instructors to, to, to follow. But I also like the idea of tapping into other, other people um, just so that you don't get siloed into your thinking, into your practice, into your, um, just your being, your, your, your lifestyle, you know? So for me, for my personal practice, I prefer a more traditional based studio. And what I mean by traditional, I mean, I, I prefer instructors who understand the eight limbs of yoga, who have read certain books, who know certain stories behind certain names, who know some at least some Sanskrit right over the studios that are uh, more fitness based basically come here for a workout not say I won't go because I have you know trap and yoga before or hip hop yoga before but as far as my consistency I'm not going to be consistent over there. I'll go there if I want to, you know, have fun. But I, I, I won't be consistent in the same manner as I am at, at a more, traditional isn't really the, the word I want to use, but at a studio where the yoga instructors are, are informed. That's, that's a better word, informed. So I, I'm not going to say one is right or wrong. I'm going to say this though. Whether you want to or not, whether you realize it or not, yoga is the harmony of the mind, the body, and the soul. So you can call it trap yoga if you want, but there's still going to be some spiritual that happens in that trap process. So, but again, some people aren't ready for that. So, you know, they'll go do goat yoga. I personally don't want a goat peeing on me while I'm I'm doing my thing. I don't. I'm not going. Don't invite me. I love yoga, but I don't want to practice with, with the animals. 
and I'm not knocking you. I'm not knocking you. Right, right. No because some people like some people that it that is a spiritual journey for them. For me, it's okay. not. For me, it's not. It's a hard no. Immediately, no. I'm not coming. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really, I think when we first bumped into each other, I think the word wisdom did pique my interest, right? Like, why is yoga and wisdom in this, like, what's going on? What do they have to do with one another? Now, this is me. I'm a newbie. I don't know nothing about, I know a little bit about wisdom. I don't know anything about yoga. So it was kind of cool to see and learn, like, what does this all mean, right? How do you think wisdom plays a part in yoga? And then, of course, I have another question after this. Go ahead. Okay, so yoga is very fluid, right? So anything that is fluid, if you think about water, fluid that flows, it's it's going to go through uh, changes, right? So there may be patches if if you you know if you think about a river that's flowing, there may be parts of that river that is that is almost still. There may be parts of that river that is like rushing. There may be parts that are like lots of waves and bumps. Yoga is fluid. So because yoga is fluid, you're constantly learning different things. My body five years ago is not my body today. So it's a journey. And so if you think about wisdom, it's about doing what's wise versus what is right. So I love the Ashtanga practice because it is very rigid. It is very concise. It is very disciplined. Um, but it is, you. I also like vinyasa, which is very flowy, right? And so the thing is, what happens is when you're very rigid, very concise, you don't have room for the new for 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 much of anything outside of what you what that end process is so for me yoga has to go along with wisdom because it is a fluid practice you know there are some postures that i can do today that i could not do then is it because i'm doing it any writer than i did it 2 years ago no, but I am wiser in that posture. I don't know necessarily that, you know, maybe today internally rotating my thigh is right. But I might pull something down the line and, may, and maybe I shouldn't internally rotate it anymore. And now I should be, you know, externally rotating. So it's it's about doing what's wise. It, yoga teaches you about wisdom. Well, it doesn't... I think of yoga as teaching you about what is wise versus right or wrong. Because again, right today can be wrong tomorrow and vice Mm -hmm. versa. There are some postures that I cannot do today that I could do back in 2019. Not to say that I can't get into them again eventually. But there are some postures that I completely avoid today. 
And if you had saw me back in 2018 or 2019, I was killing those poses. Today, I'm like, I can't do that. I can't. I'm not doing that. Does it mean that it's right? No, it's 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 learning. It like you you get wise, you know. Right, right. When you harmonize the mind, the body, the soul, everything, you have no choice but to gain wisdom from that. Mm, I love so that. They go hand in hand, which is also why I like to throw in quotes in there to like peak people's like intellect. Yeah. Give them a message. Because right. sometimes things are happening and we can't explain it. Like that first yoga class I went to. I couldn't, if you had to ask me as I was walking out, I would not have been able to explain it to you. Today mm. I can tell you what happened. But that day I couldn't. Just that I died twice and resurrected it as well. <laughs> That's it. Gotcha. Um, how do you think yoga creates a more equitable society? So let's let's break down the name, the yoga. Okay. What does yoga mean? Yoga is actually uh, derived from the Sanskrit word, and I'm not going to pronounce it because I probably will will butcher it. But it's Y-U-J-I, I believe is how it's spelled. Which means to yoke or unity. Yoga, by yoga. definition, is unity, right? And so for things to be equitable, what do you got to do? You got to unite. You got to uh, unify. And let's not confuse unify with... Um, equal because that does not that those are not one and the same right equal and equitable are not synonyms um but yoga by definition the name alone it means it literally means unity right so there is if you are if you consider yourself a yoga instructor or a yoga business owner it is your job to unify And if you are actively practicing unifying those of your community, unifying those of different backgrounds, unifying whatever it is, then you by default are making society a more equitable place because you are bringing together. You are bringing together. I mean, we are, our, our society is so conditioned into this whole right, wrong, this, that, black, white. And it's, it's okay, that's fine. This can be black, this can be white. Let's still bring it together. It's interesting that you say this when earlier in the episode, you're talking about some of the discrimination and the racism in yoga and but yet the practice itself literally means to come together and so i i I guess i shouldn't be too blown away by that because i mean not only is this america but this is earth and there's a lot of contradictions on earth right um but wow that is just for me that's very fascinating that this thing that started as a, a way to bring people together is now used as a status symbol or classism or racism. The opposite of unity. The opposite of unity. Isn't that interesting? 
So, and, and I, I just have this thing. I'm just like, take yoga out your name if you're not about unifying. If you're not about working together, then take yoga out your name. And that goes to something you told me a long time ago, that you see yoga as a lifestyle. Like for you, it's not just when you're in the studio or on that path, but it's 24-7. Am I understanding that correctly? Exactly. Exactly. So my first yoga teacher training was actually Ashtanga-based. And... In Ashtanga, there are eight limbs to yoga. I won't go through all of them because I don't want to make your podcast show too long. But the physical practice of yoga is not the first. It's not the second. It you have you if you think about like let's say the Ten Commandments, right? Sure. Have Ten Commandments, right? Same thing eight limbs of yoga in Ashtanga. There are eight limbs. There are certain things you are supposed to do before you step foot on that mat. And so if you are familiar with the eight limbs of yoga and and, and practicing, then you know that it is a lifestyle because there are certain things you got to move out the way, certain things you got to address. Um, and by the way, the physical practice where you do the postures that is to prepare your body to be able to sit and meditate so it's not the first of the eight limbs it's also not the last of the eight limbs you still got other stuff to do after you get off the mat you still got stuff to do before you get on the mat but again our society has now gimmicked up yoga and a some um Training programs don't even teach you Sanskrit. It's like, wait, what? How are you not going to know the origin of, of the word? There is meaning there. There is wisdom there. There is a reason why, you know, like a common pose people call, chair pose, ukkatasana. The Sanskrit does not translate to chair. We have westernized it because we're like, oh, well, it's kind of like, when you're about to sit down in a chair, so we call it chair pose. It's easy on, on the mind, something people can easily like latch onto and get. But if you break down the Sanskrit, Ukkatasana is more closely re- related to beam of light, like a lightning bolt, right? So if you think about like the Gatorade bottle, like that lightning bolt, that is actually chair pose. But see, the problem is, is, People don't learn Sanskrit, so they don't understand, like, you are like a beam of light in this pose. You are a light field, right? This is why we matter. Instead, we're saying chair. What do we use the chair for? Sit? Mm. When we sit, what do we do? Hunch over? Lean back? Are we light? Mm. I mean, we're always light field, but are we actively, intentionally being light field? And you then, know what this sounds like? It sounds like some people took the soul out of yoga. Yeah, so that's what happens when you, and I'm not saying, you know, all yoga instructors need to be teaching in Sanskrit. Obviously, that's going to go above some people. It's going to be intimidating. It, I, I say chair pose, but the students that come to my class know that 
sometimes I'll say chair and sometimes I will cue the entire sun salutation be in Sanskrit only. Knowing that I know that you probably don't know what I, but I will go through the motions with you, right? And, and, and I love Sanskrit because it has a certain rhythm, a certain flow. Like I just like the feel of it. But when you learn the origin, it teaches you certain things and, and but a lot of these yoga teacher training programs, like I said, they don't, that's not their their gear. Their their mode is to make money. Their mode is to kind of push out these people to to do these practices and go through the movements, go through the motions mm. without the emotions, you know. So it, it, it's yeah. That's that's basically the gist of it. That that's that's the gist of my stance on the wisdom part of it. That's my stance on the um, the unity, the bringing together. If if you are a true yogi and you allow it to be a lifestyle, even if you don't speak in Sanskrit, you will at least read and learn. Even if you just pick one pose out of your class, right, or out of the class. Look up the Sanskrit name of it and see what that name means. And some of them are simple, like foot hand pose. Some of them, it literally translates that simple. But other ones translate to wonderful things and other ones have stories behind them. Mm. So where do we go to get this? where's the proper place to go if you want to really learn the true essence of yoga? I'm not even going to say a proper place. It's just, for me, what I do is, well, I was lucky because, again, my first yoga teacher training was Ashtanga based, which is where it is, if you go to a strict Ashtanga yoga studio, it is all cute with the breath. It is all Sanskrit. And so you you have no choice but to learn it, you know? But if you just want to start learning and start tapping into it, like I said, pick a pose. Pick one pose. Warrior one. Virabhadrasana A. Look it up. Who was Virabhadrasana? What was the story behind Virabhadrasana? Why do we, you know, why is this pose called warrior pose? There's a story behind Virabhadrasana. There is a story you can read, you know, and, and so you can pick apart the pieces and gain your wisdom. Right. But then again, like I said, a lot of um, places now are, so there, there was, there is a one studio that I do uh, teach at where they want for you to infuse a message. They don't want you to just stand up there, call out a post, infuse a message. And I love the studio owner here because she is like, and dig deep. Because I don't want no fluff. Let it go. Let what go? Like, give them something. Like, dig your well deep. She says that all the time. Dig the well deep or don't go to the well at all. Basically, if I, I want you guys to have a message. But if you don't have a message... Teach a clean class. Don't fake a message. Don't give these people no gimmicky sayings, no cliches. I literally took a class two weeks ago and the instructor was like, 
inhale through the feet. I'm like, what? How am I going to inhale through the feet? What is you talking about? (laughs) Is that something you could do? I don't know. Because if it is, she never broke it down for me. (laughs) I don't know. And you know, I love a good analogy. I say crazy stuff all the time, but I break down my analogies. If you want to say something like that, you got to break it down for me because I literally was in class looking around like stuck. Like, wait, did, did I hear that right? And she said it a couple of times. So that's that's what she means. But there are some yoga students where they want the opposite. No messaging. No messaging at all. Mm. I'll teach for another studio. They are very yeah. fitness-based. That is their handle, fitness-based. We yeah. literally are only allowed to say, I think, two or three Sanskrit words. That's it. Namaste, Chaturanga. It might only be two. Namaste and Chaturanga. Mm. That's it. Now, do I listen? No. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Well, here. we know you're a rep. You like to rebel. <laughs> But so it it just depends, you know, it just depends. But I I love the wisdom aspect because with wisdom, you gain wealth back to tie back into it. You said something something before we started recording. I want to make sure you get this on, uh, I I say on wax. Um, What is a true definition of wealth to you? Well, that definition is it's, it's fluid, like a lot of stuff for me, because what I know today is not what I knew yesterday, and what I know today may not be what I know tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. But wealth to me is is more about it, it's it's a process, and 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 it's a knowing process, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's about a true wealth is when you know that you don't know Mm. (laughs) going to know (laughs) it's not really about it's not really about the stuff it's not really tangible it's 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 very fluid for me so when you were saying like you know how the yoga influenced wealth i'm just like well you got to define wealth because for me it is very loose it is very fluid it is very it's 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 a knowing that i don't know but I can know. So I will know. I like that. That's dope. In essence, I will have, I, it, it's wealth, right? Because if you, yeah. you think about, you know, people can't take what you know. Right. They can use what you know. They can borrow what you know. Like they can borrow your intellect. Mm-hmm. They can use your insight. But they can't take what you know. Right. That to me is wealth. Wealth mm. is it's something that cannot be taken away. Mm. I like it's this. A I like this. <laughs> don't don't make me preach, but it's a it's a knowing. It's a okay. full knowing, not an arrogant, not conceited. Although conceited sometimes is needed, but it's not arrogant. Got you. Got you. That's why um, I do like putting the ego out of the way sometimes. Ego is needed. You do need some ego. Not enough ego creates just as much of an issue as too much ego. But you got to know when you got to move it out the way and when you got to reel it back in. 
Well, knowing that you don't know, but you can know. Um, you ever heard of a book called, and, and those listening, you might want to grab a, a piece of paper or pen. There's a book called uh, A Happy Pocket Full of Money. You ever heard of this book? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But I'm intrigued. Sounds like my I think, book. <laughs> I think I think you would like it. That's why I'm putting it on on the episode and, and sharing this information over to you. I've been reading it now for about three weeks. And I'll say, and I never thought I would get to this point. I think it may be the best book I've read on wealth and prosperity. And I didn't think I didn't think any other book would come along that would surpass certain books I had in my top. But uh, uh, A Happy Pocket Full of Money, that book is something next level because it really pulls back this whole idea, like you were saying, of you know buying expensive things and what you have, all this other stuff. And it really sheds all that, says, no, let's get down to the real root of what wealth is. Because if we can get to that root, then no one will ever be able to uh, mislead you ever again. Because a lot of what's happening is we're, we're, we're mistaking wealth or we're mistaking money and riches for wealth and they have nothing to do with one another. Now, with wealth, your money could be a symbol, uh, an outward personification of the wealth you have. But they have, you can be wealthy with nothing. When I say with nothing, I mean with, with no money is what I mean with, with nothing. And so I, I would really recommend people look into this book. Once I finish it uh, and give it some some time, I want to really start diving in and dissecting it publicly. But uh, I am going to make that recommendation here now because I, I want people to check that out. Um, where can people go to check out uh, the classes you have coming up, the jewelry that you have for sale, any other um, opportunities that you have, where can people go uh, to collaborate uh, with you? So I do have my own website. Um, it is called sayyogawisdom.com S-A-Y-O-G-A wisdom W-I-S-D-O-M dot com. There you will find the virtual classes that I do offer. Right now, I am offering um, yin classes, which is funny. The class that I said at the beginning of pod class that I hated and didn't like and didn't want to do, that is now my favorite class to teach. Oh, it is. Okay. I didn't know that. It's that's crazy. It's, it's crazy how things, that's why I say things are fluid. What I knew yesterday right. is different today. Right. But um, I am offering that right now on my website. Right. You can sign up there. It is virtual. Um, and my jewelry, I do hand make wire wrap jewelry pieces. Everything you see on my website, I have handmade myself. I do not have any partners or anything like that. Um, I do use real crystals. I do believe in the power that crystals hold. But even if you don't believe in the power that they hold, at least take a peek. You might find something you like, aesthetically pleasing. I also blend essential oils 
which certain oils stimulate certain things um, for healing, for different different things. So definitely check out my website there. Um, I'm not going to handle <laughs> studios I work for because it's really not about them. But feel free um, to reach out to me on Instagram. My Instagram is S-A-Y-O-G-A underscore wisdom, W-I-S-D-O-M. And you can DM me directly if you'd like to know, like, where do I teach locally? And I'll tell you there. Um, But as far as getting access to me, um, I do offer classes on my website. And you can sign up there. They are donation-based for right now. It may be changing in the future. But for right now, they are donation-based classes. I also offer one-on-one virtually as well. And I am also Reiki certified, which I don't handle that often. But I am also Reiki certified. So I do practice Reiki as well, which is healing energy work. Okay, I didn't know that. I'm going to check that out. Uh, I, and it I can be done virtually. It rates okay. can be done virtually. And, and also the oils. I might have to uh, stock up with some of your your healing. <laughs> you and everyone else, they are sold out right now. So I am um, blending up some new batches. Um, okay. In, in time for the holiday season for those who may celebrate holidays. Awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll keep an eye out for that. Um, I'm really glad that we had the opportunity because uh, we've we've talked several times. So it's not I want people thinking this is our first time uh, communicating. I've always wanted us to have this conversation. Um, hopefully, we'll have more. I think the thing that I really appreciate, and I need to get back into it. I need to get. I need to make yoga my lifestyle. Right. I need to. Um, what I really liked about it was exactly what you said earlier. Ego got to die. Well, not die, but ego got to get out of the way. And we're going to have to get down to the root of what the issue may be or what the, like, we got to get down to this thing. And I wish more people would do that, even if it isn't yoga, whatever it is that gets them to that. I wish more people would do that because we're dealing, I know you said we have to we have to have ego, and I do agree. Um, but we're getting a lot of ego out here. It's a lot of ego. It's all like it's 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 too much. It's gone we've gone to new heights of egoness. <laughs> and I need the egos to get out of the way so we can all work together. I feel like there was a there was a time that we had, and when I say we, I mean as a culture, as a community, as black folk. We had an opportunity to really come together and do some amazing work, and ego has gotten in the way. And I, I think it was, it wasn't, maybe it wasn't necessarily realistic. I hate to use words like realistic, um, but to think that all black people were going to come together and kumbaya and all be all one and like, okay, maybe that was a little bit far fetched. Um, but I didn't think we would miss the mark the way that we did. Um, but I think things like this, where people can kind of gather together and leave 
their titles and positions and all this uh, man-made stuff out of the way and just kind of get down to the brass tacks, I think that's an opportunity to create generational wealth where we can share with each other. For me, I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to say, for me, wealth, and uh, it might change tomorrow, for me, true wealth is understanding the value of the people around you without money being involved. What is this person's skill set? What is it that they're awesome at? And how do we put that person in position to, to personify that to their best versions of themselves? To me, that's why I'm learning what wealth really is. Because if you can find that, then you can do damn near anything you want in life because you're not really looking for the money. You're looking at the value within the person and allowing them to be their best version of themselves. But we're too busy in ego uh, tearing people down. Like, oh, you ain't all that. You ain't this, and you and and by that we're killing our wealth. Mm-hmm. We have great great people around us, and we kill it because we want to be better than them. We want to have more money than them. We want stat. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. No, I but like it. <laughs> I, I just I feel like there's a really great opportunity for us to see the value in one another, and it takes something like yoga, if not yoga, whatever. I don't want to push anything on anyone. But for me, yoga helped me say, yo, get the ego out of the way and let's get down to make sure you understand who you are at your core. Because if you're not balanced, then how the heck are you going to have balanced conversations? How are you going to be able to bring balance to the world? So anyway, I'm sorry. I, I had to put that on. I, I, agree, might have to I, agree. on I agree. I'm going to piggyback off of something you said, though. Go for it. Go for it. Oh. Is there something people can do, even if it's not yoga? Okay. Here's, here's what I learned. Things that you are naturally good at, that you are naturally apt at, adept at, like your creativity, that is where you start, right? So if you're a naturally a good uh, artist, drawing, you're, if you're naturally good at that, start there. Because when you are operating out of your creativity, out of your natural ability, you by default are operating in some form of your higher self. So like you'll hear artists saying all the time, I'm in the zone. Or I love to quote Erica Badu, I'm sensitive. I'm an artist. I'm sensitive about my shit. Like she's in her, her I don't even want to say euphoric state, but that's essentially what it is to some degree. When you are in that state, you are vibrating very high. And so when you're, when you're vibrating high, the ego by default is over to the side anyway. So it's like when I'm wire wrapping, like I literally can stay up to like 3 a.m. wrapping something and be perfectly content not sleepy at all i can sleep for two hours wake up and it's like i had a full night's rest and i'm like wait what is this on the flip side i can sleep for nine hours and still wake up tired it's because when you are operating so even if it is not yoga just think about what you are naturally good at maybe it's cooking maybe you 
always feel better when you're outside, find what that is and sit in it. You Mm. sit in it, the ego does what it needs to do. And again, like I said, sometimes ego is it's sometimes ego is an issue because it's not enough. So like you ever seen people who, you know, have low self-esteem, very, very low self-esteem, mm-hmm. don't have enough ego. They don't have that. I can do that. I'm dope. I'm, I'm awesome in them. They need more ego. On the flip side, you have people who are like, I'm the greatest thing ever, ever. Yeah. Their ego may need to move out of the way a little bit. Like put that in another room, put that in another room, acknowledge what is presently in front of you. So, yeah. I I know we have to go. I want to, you piggyback off me. Can I piggyback off you just a little bit? Just just a tad? Yes, Um, piggyback off the piggyback. (laughs) Yes, double piggies. You mentioned doing what you are naturally gifted at. And I I just want to give the other side of that we have to get to a place where we're not copying what others, what someone else did because it was successful for them and thinking, well, that will then be successful for me. If that's not naturally what is, you know, your fit for you. And then what ends up happening is you get frustrated uh, trying to chase after somebody else's dream or chasing after somebody else's frequency. Comparison. Comparison. Exactly. Comparison is a thief of joy. There's this. So, uh, did you hear this? I'm sorry to cut you off, but oh, you're not sorry. But go ahead. I'm not. I'm really not. <laughs> but I gotta throw this in there. There's this one audio on IG right now that I love. I haven't used it yet, but it just cracks me up every time. But it's like the girl is just like it. Don't matter if the, if they out there doing what you doing, right? If you got mm-hmm. the gift. And God, she says God, but I say source, creator, universe. If if source gave you the gift, it don't matter if you over here with the gift too, because my gift popped differently than your gift. Yes. So rather than copying, because they got the gift too, just operate out of your gift. Because what you bring, your energy, your you know intellect, your all of your whole being, your experiences is in the way you do it. Even if y'all make the same thing, you know, even if y'all both out here crocheting. I'm just saying, I'm just saying there's plenty of people out here rapping jury. Is there not? Okay, yeah, that's that's fair. There are plenty of people out here wire wrapping crystals. There are plenty of people out here blending essential oils. There are plenty of yoga instructors out here. Yeah. But people who come to me come to me because they are naturally drawn to what I have to offer, what my experience is, what I have infused into what I am delivering. Right. And people sense a copycat spirit. So like you were saying, people sense that copycat spirit. Don't try to make what I made off my website. (laughs) (laughs) Last thing. I sense that you're naturally gifted and motivational speaking or inspirational speaking however you want to say it you always gotta throw that in there (laughs) i'm just asking i'm just saying 
I'm sensing that. Do you sense that same natural gift of being a motivational speaker? Or am I, am I reading too much into this? I will say this. Okay. Plenty of people have told me that I should be writing down stuff that I say on shirts or at least saying it in a manner to where other people can hear it. But remember when I spoke about ego, sometimes we have too much, sometimes we don't have enough. When it right. comes to me and motivational speaker, speaking, we got to get me a little bit more ego there. I'm working and on not it. And in, not in what I'm saying, the ego needs to come into, to push me to say it. Not in what is going to come out, but gotcha. to get me to get it to come out. Okay. Well, I'm gonna call your ego up, and we're gonna get this thing going. Um, <laughs> Stephanie and I want to thank you for coming on Black Equity Podcast. Uh, this has been truly, and I always love when we talk. Hopefully, we'll continue uh, these conversations. And um, I guess I need to book some sessions. That's what I'm gonna do right after this. I gotta book some sessions. No, book some sessions, and then and then you can get some more of my motivational speaking. Oh, that that's where we got to go to get it? Okay. Exchange. It's about the exchange. Exactly. Wealth, right? Exactly. Didn't you say tap into what other people? Well, That is true. That is true wealth. That is true wealth. Thank you again. Uh, man, this is an awesome, an awesome, awesome episode. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Namaste. I thank you for tuning in to this special edition of Black Equity Podcast, the Unity episode. I always love when we sit down and talk about unity from a different perspective and uh, looking at it from a different angle. I'm truly excited for our guest today. We left the uh, website in the show notes. So if you want to learn more about Stay Yoga Wisdom, go ahead and head, head over to the website today. I'm glad that you were able to join us. And I know that um, our guest today will really appreciate you stopping by and checking out all the great work that she is doing. Uh, once to, once again, thank you, everyone, who tuned in to today's episode. Happy Kwanzaa. And uh, we have more in store for you. Thank you for listening to Black Equity Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.